Let's close our eyes and prepare ourselves for God's word. Father, we are thankful for enriching us through your word. Every time we open the perfect law of liberty, Father, we delight that you have fed us sumptuously and we've always found a pearl of great price that is worth all our diligent study and all our efforts and meditation. You've been unfailing unto us and your word is unfailing. Therefore, by the riches of your mercy, this afternoon we pray you would speak unto us once more. As you divided the bread and the fish and fed sumptuously a multitude, I pray that once again you would feed us from the riches and depths of your word. As for our beloved pastor, as you take him on the next assignment, I pray, O God, that every word he has exhorted us with would be fulfilled in his own life in Jesus' name. Thank you, mighty God. Therefore, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be well-pleasing in your sight, our God and our Redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I invite you all to open the Bibles once again to First Peter as we continue our study upon First Peter, which is a marvelous letter written by Peter unto disciples much like us. And it gives it gives me great joy that every time we open to this, we find that the Spirit of God has is the one who has inspired the Word of God. Because Peter writes with such theological depth. That it would have been impossible for a fisherman to write this. Once again come to the infallible word of God and we begin to read from verse 17 unto 21. And the Lord will help us in the time that we have in Jesus name. 17 through 21 of First Peter. And if you call on the Father, who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourself throughout the time of your stay here in fear, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers 
but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot he indeed was foreordained before the foundations of the world but was manifest in these last times for you who through him believe in God who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God and before we look into the word of god let's talk to the god of the word father once again we are grateful for this word teach us oh lord god give us a willing heart and an obedient mind in jesus name we pray amen obviously this portion is beginning with the word and therefore we find that this is in continuation of what apostle peter has been trying to tell us and you find that there are commandments that are given but incidentally peter also gives us reasons the first command he gave us was in verse 13 which says hope fully because of the treasures and the riches that you will inherit at the coming of the lord jesus second live holy verse 16 and the reason is god says for i am holy and now we come to the third command which is the portion of text under consideration today he says live in fear and we find that this message is getting increasingly resistant to a modern generation that wants to break free from the old covenant and does not want laws we are moving from old covenant unfortunately to new no covenant instead of new covenant so the first thing that was said is hopefully and the bunch of people said yeah that's quite easy and second level became a little bit more tough which said that you need to live holy and now it's getting a really really tough it says that live in fear but then you've read in your own bibles it says that perfect love casts away all fear so there's no reason to live in fear and fear was part of the old covenant where god showed himself as a consuming fire we sang that song today it says that all consuming fire and then we said wow that's an old testament song i wish we had something new it says god is my lover nothing wrong with that but there are new songs which has which if you remove the word jesus from it you could even sing it to your girlfriend I can't live without you. You're in my every breath. But here Peter brings about a commandment to believers like you and I sitting and receiving this letter and the commandment says live in fear. Would you pause for that phrase to just sink into your souls for a moment? 
the challenge given to each one of us sitting over here is to live in fear. And I'm not talking about terrorizing fear or fear that paralyzes. I'm talking about reverential fear. Incidentally, the NIV which translates it as reverential fear, that word reverential was added because the translators did not know how to bring in that word fear. The root Greek of that word fear is phobos, from which we get the word phobia. That means that you and I, as New Covenant Christians, we need to live in fear equivalent to a phobia. Am I communicating? Am I saying something to you today? And the invitation, Peter does not just give that command without justification. Now this is the beauty of God's word that he introduces it to rational people. People who want to reason out. People like you and I who sit over there and ask, why? Those of us who have children, who are of the age of, let's say, four to seven, they have an inquisitive mind, everything is why. You tell them, do not play with the plug. And they ask you, why? And you tell them, try and you would know. So here, to a rational mind, Peter is giving you two solid reasons to hope and to fear in God. And the reason number one is given in the first half of verse 17. And reason number two is beginning from verse 18 through to verse 21. So the first reason is realization of who God is. Verse 17 says, And if you call on the Father, who without partiality, now that's explaining who the Father is, who without partiality judges according to each one's work. Jesus taught us to Call on our Father. Now the moment we call on our Father, your Father does not become your buddy. I want to talk to all of you children over here. Your dads might allow you to sit on his lap, but he is not your buddy. And if any of you fathers begin to treat your children like buddies, you are against God's word. Because then you are giving up your right to discipline your children. It does not mean you shouldn't love. It means that the authority of God's word has a hierarchy. So therefore, if your child plays with you, you play with the child, but there is a point beyond which you tell your child, you shall hold me in honor because I am your father. 
Therefore all your children, listen to me carefully. There's an interesting verse in Proverbs. And I guess that should be taught in all the Friday schools which says that they, they, they that scorn their father and their mother, the birds of the field shall pluck their eyes out. How's that for a Friday school lesson? And that shall not be your portion in Jesus' name. In fact, your portion is that you shall inherit. You shall inherit the blessings that is reserved for the righteous. Because you obey God's covenant. And that will be reserved unto you in Jesus' name. So the first thing is realization of who God is. And we have two realizations over there. Number one is that God is a just judge who judges impartially. I mean, God cannot be bribed. I come from a background in which the moment you finish writing exams, you take coconuts to bribe your God. Or you take milk to bribe your God. And some of you have come from backgrounds in which you take candles to bribe your God. And say that I will burn a hundred candles if I pass through this exam. But we serve a God who cannot be bribed. Therefore, if you desire to, to hold yourself as a vessel for blessing, mind this commandment which says, He is impartial. That's why Jesus said, the measure you use will be the measure you receive. And that's why Jesus says, That when the just judge comes, he will give rewards. I don't know if you are waiting for rewards, but I surely am. Many of us feel that we Christians should serve God without hope for reward. You are free to that thought. But that's unbiblical. The Bible says that the Lord is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. And the second thing we understand about God, which makes us to tremble in fear, is that all of our work, now I might I remind you that the translation is singular. Not all of our works, not some total, the whole garbage bag of it will come before the Lord. It says that the one singular work, all that you do, the sum total of it will be weighed in terms of what is the motive that went in the middle of that work. Why did you do it? And that will come before the Father. And if that ought not to make you shiver, I don't know what will. I mean, whatever you do, 
whatever whatever no wonder paul says whether you eat or you drink nothing could be more mundane than that whether you eat or you drink whatsoever you do do it as unto the glory of god why because paul understood that at some point of time his work would come before the father jesus said that every idle word i don't know how many of us understand this every idle word and we know jesus is not a liar and he says your every idle word will be called to account every idle word if that doesn't make you fear god and i'm just talking about new testament some of us got away from the old covenant into no covenant we thought that we live in a time of grace news flash grace did not replace god's justice grace was added at the cross grace and mercy and justice met now that's a solid reason for you to begin trembling i mean begin trembling i mean begin to evaluate your life begin to see how you behave begin to see how you come ecclesiastes a wise man wrote when you come before god don't just come any how have you read that ecclesiastes chapter 5 says that don't just come as you like and don't just offer the sacrifice of fools i mean that's an interesting thing for intercessors sacrifice this man is praying and solomon says that don't just blabber hold god in respect and the second good reason is we recognize what god has done that's from 18 to 21 now recognizing what god has done this has come up over and over again in peter's letter now this is not this is not to to bring a condemnation but to bring a joy i mean every time we woke up and we receive that bread and the wine which represents the body and the blood of jesus do we walk up in reverence in remembrance peter reminds us a casual reading of this would would escape our attention but let's just read those verses again and let's understand what peter is inviting us to do 18 knowing is that how your verse 18 begins yeah knowing knowing that means i am not writing to a bunch of ignorant people and by the way can i humbly request you from the pulpit to not sleep 
Because God is worthy of your wakefulness. He deserves your respect. Feel free to stand up. There was a professor in our class who used to say, if you are sleepy, stand up. And one boy literally took him. He said, your teaching is so boring that I get so sleepy, but yet I will obey you and I stand up. And he stood up. And the professor acknowledged that he was an honest man. These, these gentlemen are too gentle. There was a school teacher in, who used to teach me, I think it was maths, used to break a piece of chalk and throw. There's a joke about a young boy who was, who was uh, throwing stones at the congregation when the pastor was preaching. And the pastor went and asked, Son, why are you throwing stones? He said, You preach, pastor, I'll keep them awake. Jokes apart, God deserves. He is worth your troubles. Some of us don't do Bible study because it's too troublesome. He is worth your troubles. I mean the people of this land go through 30 days of fasting because they think their God is worth 30 days of human hunger and you and I cannot remain awake for 30 minutes. Shame on us! That was not anointed. That was anger. I hope holy anger. But it saddens me to see from here people sleeping. When the Bible almost slips out of your lap. Go to the back. Stand there. I will hold you in honor. And so will the Lord. So the second reason we find is that Peter says, would you? Would you remember what God has done? Knowing, verse 18, knowing that you were not redeemed. The word redeemed occurs only three times and one of the favorite words with which we call our Savior is Redeemer. And the people who read this at that point of time would have understood. What does it mean to be redeemed? Because there were 60 million slaves in Rome. And a slave, in order to be free, he had to either collect all the money and give it to his master, or someone had to come and buy him out. Now look at from what we have been redeemed. Peter says, from your foolish, vain, inconsequential, transient, that which would pass away, that which is hollow, way of life. Now compare that as an inheritance. The verse says, received as an inheritance from your fathers. 
you have many fathers who teach you things you have a father of economics right in school they taught you father of economics a father of mathematics father of science all these fathers especially the father of economics is held in high esteem because he rules everything the wheels of the world run on economics so here he says that from this vain way of life you have been redeemed and if you want a comparison just cast your eye a couple of verses ahead of this it says that what you are being given in heaven is an incorruptible undefiled that does not fade away that kind of an inheritance has been reserved for you but what you have been redeemed from is an inheritance that is worthless and there's another application in verse or rather there's another motivation over there it says there are four things that jesus that god has done that makes us kind of revet our hope and our faith look at those verses again beginning from verse 20 but before that verse 19 says but as a precious lamb what does this mean to a jewish reader immediately his mind would have gone to the paschal lamb we were told about exodus 12 wherein there shall be plunders but even before that the lord said that what was happening during the passover have you wondered what's happening during the passover number 1 the passover was a covenant that was kept by god every time you remember and you walk up this aisle to receive the holy communion would you remember the covenant of the lord number 2 the passover would remind a jew of substitution because it says that one lamb for a house isaac asked in genesis 22 where is the lamb John the Baptist answered that in John chapter 1 and he says behold the lamb that takes away the sin of the world mind you the the word again is singular sin the sum total of all of our despicable acts as a singular sin was burdened upon Jesus three what does passover remind you and me it reminds us of the power of god says that how god brought you out reminding moses again and again he was reminding the israelites how god you brought you out with an outstretched arm with wonders with signs so paul is peter is again excuse me peter is asking the disciples to remember remember the passover just like a passover lamb's blood is pure and innocent this spotless lamb gave his blood for you i mean when we were in vaca- on vacation we went to a museum of gold honestly there's a museum of gold all you sisters want to really know where that is and there were kilos of gold found 2 centimeters under the surface 
And when people heard that there was a gold, there was gold rush. Now why is there gold rush? Have you wondered why the price of gold is up? There, there's not much gold around. Number one. Number two, the extraction is costly. For all these reasons, the price is up. Now I want you to think about one drop of blood from Jesus. How precious is that? So remember, remember that one reason why you are invited to fear God is because you were purchased with a precious, precious commodity. Do you know that you are precious? Has anyone told you lately that you are precious? I mean, all those loving husbands look at their wives and say, Hey, you're precious. And she says, I know. <laughs> but honestly, without flattery, you are precious. Because God thought it worthwhile to come and shed His innocent blood for each, each one of you. And that gives us An impetus to pray, to praise, to worship, to thank, and even to fear God. Verse 20 onwards, he gives you four reasons to come and set your hope. Set your hope. How does verse 21 end? It says that, so that your faith and your hope will be in him. So that your faith and your hope will be in Him. The invitation is number one. God foreordained Jesus Christ. Jesus' death was not an afterthought. He said that first let me send my prophets. Then I'll give my law. Then I'll give some preachers. Ask them to preach the law. And then when nothing worked, God was sitting in heaven twiddling his thumbs, did not know what to do. And he said, ah, let's send Jesus. Absolutely not, sir. Before you were formed, before any one of your single sins were committed, Jesus had already died for it. He was foreordained. I mean, this is precious. He was, number one, foreordained by God. Number two, He was manifested for you. The death of Jesus did not happen in a secret corner. Somewhere quietly. It was prophesied right from Genesis 3. If you've read your Bible all throughout, you find that the coming of Jesus has been manifested to you. So one he was foreordained for you. Two, He was manifested for you. Three, He was risen from the dead for you. 1 Corinthians 15 talks about the resurrection. I mean the resurrection is something that is ferociously denied. But did you know Jesus did not give us any other sign? I mean, it amazes me that people come 
over here and say, God, if you heal me of my sickness, I will believe that you are Christ. Have you heard that one before? There are people who say that, God, I am barren, give me a child, then I will know that you are alive. Jesus knew that we would do all this circus. All this gymnastics will happen. Because even in his time, people came and asked Jesus, what sign do you show that you are the Son of God? Jesus said, behold the rabbit from my cap. He said, no sign shall be given unto you other than the sign of Jonah. I wonder sometimes why did he give such a very difficult sign, that, a sign that cannot be immediately, instantly, repetitively reproduced. Because it takes the eye of faith to see the Lord. Therefore, for any one of us who have lost the fear of God, would you think about resurrection? Now, I want to talk about those people who have yet not accepted Christ. You will resurrect. Now, before you say good news, Revelation 21 says that you will resurrect unto judgment. So resurrection is a proof that everyone will live again and come before Jesus. Isn't that reason for fear? I mean, if that isn't reason for fear, what else is? And the fourth reason over there is that he was given glory. Read verse 21. It says that, and God gave him glory. What does it mean? Jesus said, all honor and all authority has been given unto me. I mean, he is all powerful. I want you to think of the most powerful person. Or the most powerful weapon. Or the most destructive. Or the most potential thing. It's nothing compared to the authority Jesus has. And he says, it is because of these four reasons, from verse 20 to 21, four solid reasons, again, showing you and me what God has done for us that causes us to fear. And now you're saying that, yes, I get this much, but how? How do I know that I have the fear of God? I want to quickly bring some applications over here. From these scriptures that we read. The obvious question is, am I growing in the fear? Do I have the fear? Verse 17 says, if you call... On God as the Father. Therefore my first application is. He who fears the Lord. Will depend on him. That's the first application. Check your life to see if you are depending on God. What is prayer? Prayer is not asking God to change his mind for you. It is asking God to change your mind to his will. To bring you in line with what he wants to do. 
and to encourage you to begin praying in that direction, to begin living in that direction. God told Abraham at the age of 75, you will have a child. And Abraham believed. And it was accounted unto him for righteousness. Do you believe what the Bible says? That's the first sign of whether you have the fear of God. Check your life. Do you believe? Genesis 22, this, this child was asked to be, the son was asked to be sacrificed. One of the signs you find over there of the fear of God is that when God said, Genesis 22 begins beautifully, it says that, and then God tested Abram. I mean, it leaves no doubt that why was this done. God tested Abram and the first thing Abram said, God said is that God, uh, Abram, and Abram said, here am I. That's the fear of the Lord. You are quick on your feet when God calls you. Not dragging your feet. You want to see Hebrews 11? The list of heroes? All of them got their assignments from God. They carried it through because of the fear of God. Noah, for example. Can you imagine Noah going to the marketplace? To buy his rations perhaps. The land is scorching. There is not a cloud in the distance. And he is making an ark. Because God told him to. And he goes into the market. He is buying his rice and vegetables. When the people are mocking him. Not a day or two. A hundred years. He stood for what he believed. That's the fear of God. And then what about Daniel? He believed that God would shut any decree against him. And he continued to pray. As his practice was. Number two. Verse 17 says that he will judge all our work. Therefore my application is, you who fear the Lord will tame your passions. You will tame your passions because all your acts is going to come before the Lord. All of them, every one of them, each and every one of them will come before the Lord. The sum total of it will come before the Lord. Daniel goes to Babylon as a young man. There are three friends with him. He was, he was dragged into the kingdom. And then he had every opportunity to indulge himself in the meat that was given from the pagan kitchen. He said, no, I will tame my passions. Joseph was a young boy who was sold as a slave, put on a manji camel and sold to the Ishmaelites. He traveled all the way into Egypt. And then he had an opportunity of proving himself he was growing in the grace of Potiphar and Potiphar invited him. He said, no, man shall not see, but my God sees. He tamed his passions. Are you taming your passions? Are you taming your passions? I mean, are you really subjecting it to yourself? 
Paul says, all things are permissible for me, but I will not be subject to any. That's why fasting helps. It helps you to bring your body into subjection. Paul says that lest I, after having preached, I myself might be a castaway. I subject my body. I bring it into obedience. Have you done that lately? The third application quickly is it points us to the majesty of God. Therefore, my application is if you are growing in the fear of the Lord, you will not trivialize the blood of Jesus. You will not trivialize the blood of Jesus. Peter's aim and purpose, please don't get me wrong, please don't get Peter wrong. He was not bringing any condemnation because he agrees with Paul who says there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The aim of Peter in bringing about the majesty and the glory of God in these verses is not to bring condemnation, is to bring you face to face with this thought that am I growing in grace? The author of Hebrews says, after reading all of Hebrews 11, the heart is really crushed within you because you are not like any of those giants. And then it says, hold on. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Run the race with endurance. 2 Corinthians 3 says that you are being transformed from glory to glory. How would you be transformed if you are not looking at Jesus. And if you dare to look at Jesus, you look at Him because you have fear and reverence in your heart. And the fourth and final application quickly is, verse 21 says, our hope and our faith is in God. And my application to you is, we are growing in the grace of God when our hope and our faith is in God alone. What are you hoping today? What are you hoping to? Are you hoping for a better job? Are you hoping to get some kind of money in the bank before you retire? There's nothing wrong with it. But if you're putting all your hopes over there. The psalmist put it beautifully. He said that. And some put their hope in princes. His spirit departs. He returns to the earth. And his plans perish. We are talking about princes. But you are greater than princes. You are a royal priesthood. A holy nation. The songwriter said, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ and his righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but only lean Amen. Amen. I mean, when you walk out of this building in a few minutes from now, any of you will begin a work week. Many of you are going on vacation. Some of us get married and are going to settle down. Some of us are migrating. Some of us are permanently leaving us. But what would essentially constitute the defining factor of how you behave when you leave this building. What would define 
what would define how you would behave how you would talk how you would conduct yourself about how what you would search on google about what profile pictures you would put on your facebook what defines it what's the undergirding factor what what's your undergirding factor for how you would spend your money how you would spend your time i challenge you set your hope in god live in fear and he will honor you amen let's bow down and pray as we wait upon the lord right now let's just close our eyes and meditate on what god has spoken to us let us not take god's word lightly we should ask ourselves is god the top priority of our life where is god where is jesus in our life is he there only on a friday morning and from saturday it's you where is your love for christ do you run to him only when you are in need when you are suffering when there is sickness when there is a loss of something that you run and you cry unto god or is it just only when you come on friday that you hear the word and your heart is so down is it only on that moment that you say god i'm going to make these commitments i want you to make a commitment lord not just now but for the all the days of my life i will hold your word in the highest honor i will give my life totally to you that nothing will take me away from your calling let us ask the lord lord give me grace that i will be able to do this that nothing will snatch me away from your plan and purposes I want you to take time and say Lord I thank you for this word. I pray that this word will find its rightful place in my heart. That when I step out of this building, I will make a decision to walk before you blamelessly. I will make a decision to serve you honestly. Not because of what I am going to get even if that's not going to happen now, but I will serve you. just as the hebrew children said even if he doesn't save me i will not bow what is the idol that we have in our lives that we are bowing to that idol that is taking us away from god ask ourselves what is it there is many of us are having idols in our life that is snatching us away from the presence of god in walking in obedience nobody will know what's your idol like our brother just now said What do we do when we are in a secret places or when we go on the net the things that we think the words that we speak what comes out from our mouth are we able to tame our tongue in our workplaces 
and when we are with our friends? Are we able to tame our thoughts? Father, we pray today, give us grace, Lord God. We bow our hearts before you, and we pray that you will have your way in our lives. We pray more of your anointing on your servant, Master. Father, fill him. Use him for your glory, Lord God. Give him grace to walk before you all the days of his life, Master, faithfully. Lord, we thank you for your word this afternoon. Give us grace to live your word all the days of our life. In Jesus' most precious and exalted name we pray. Amen. Let us stand for the benediction. Let us say the grace together. May the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now and forevermore. Amen. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our life, and we shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. And God's people say, Amen. Amen. Be blessed, my brothers and sisters.